Wolverine. Wolverine. Welcome to another episode of Flexpose. This is the games that made us episode numero uno. I am Jason. That guy. He's Lucas Wolverine. Oh, no. I wish. It's, it's Logan. This old man Logan. Not even. How's it going, man? Not even good, Logan. Uh, it's going all right. It's going all right. Got a lot of irons in the fire these days. Irons in the firings. That's you... right, because Dan Anthony's going to appreciate that intro music you served up. I think we all appreciate it, really. I don't know. Guess sometimes you got to take it back before is you can bring a, it forward. Is that a new T-shirt? Uh, I, don't, I don't recall that design before. No, it was a, one of those Target specials. Uh, it's like, it's, like it's, interesting it's like I'm not sure if it's like comic book or animated or almost it could almost be pixel style. I mean, I know it's not pixel style, but I mean, like in it's, a, it's like multi genre in one. <laughs> no, it's it's, uh, like, it's like synth wavy Star Wars. Kind of. Yeah. Oh, that know. looks like expanded universe. Luke Skywalker. I think that was the best they could draw, Skywalker. He never wore a cloak like that in the original trilogy. Uh, clearly, that's from uh, Return of the Jedi. He was in all black. That's before Disney ruined everything. <laughs> the book was better. Ooh. Ooh. That's, that's chunky. Yeah, yeah. I think I got something in the back of my throat after that. Welcome to the show. <laughs> this, is, this is, again, uh, a Games That Made Us, episode one. If you remember, a few months back, we decided to rebrand. Not, we didn't rebrand, but we changed the structure of the formats of the show, and uh, we've been caught up with Chrono Trigger for a while, so now we're finally branching out into some of these other episodes that we'd love to serve to you. So this is the Games That Made Us, and we'll explain more about that as we go. Before we do, join us on Discord. Fluxdeposed.com slash Discord. You're going to want to because Friday night, I'm going to do another Fluxdeposed happy hour hangout with some Mario Kart 8. Mm-hmm. Why not? You know, it's a good time to chill out with some friends, kick back, relax. You'll want to join us for that. We stream the show usually live every Tuesday on Twitch TV slash Fluxdeposed. And if you're so inclined and you say, hey, you know what? These guys speak to me. I don't know why or how. But somehow I feel connected to these two yahoos, these two weirdos, and I want to help support them on this podcasting journey that they're off on. Check out patreon.com slash Flexipose. Join the Legion, and you'll help us do great things, and you'll get some sweet kickbacks for yourself, like early access to Flexipose Radio, exclusive access to Jason Explains, which I'm ready to do another one. You guys better serve me up some topics. I'm ready to educate you all. No, I told you fracking. I want to hear you explain fracking. fracking. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess. I mean, eventually, this is just going to devolve into you explaining Urban Dictionary terms. So <laughs> it's. Gonna, I'm going to be creating my own. We should just. We should set up a domain, and we'll create our own Urban Dictionary with my definitions. Uh, suburban. And then we place ads on there, dictionary. and we get rich. I like okay. that. Google AdWords. Okay, and then we retire. Take that to the bank. I feel retired right now. Just putter around the house. <laughs> no, 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 that's just tired. I'm oh, just tired. Oh, that's right. That's what And that Safe Space, which we're talking about getting another episode put together. So you got to look for that. And Lucas doesn't know about it, but I'm working on a super secret monthly project for oh the Legion. God. Well, it'll be Legion. It's not going to be a Legion exclusive. It'll be uh, 
Legion early access by at least two weeks. Early access content for the Legion. Wow. New exclusive monthly podcast with a special guest. Oh, my God. Pre-order bonus. Well, I should say special host. Oh. So you want to talk to me about the air. Surprise. I'm replacing you once a month. But yes. I didn't think I didn't think you'd mind. No, please. I mean, you, you, is it a, a robot, Lucas? Is that what it is? Send greetings to Megas Telplin. Well, I will send them their the <laughs> greetings. Como Paloma 2000. I probably butchered that name. I like how you said it, though. It sounds like somebody going uh, running for Megas governor. Megas Telplin. <laughs> so, sounds like, uh, like a weird RPG character, doesn't it? A little bit, or perhaps uh, somebody who plays football. You know, wide receiver, Coma Paloma, but nobody ever knows how to say their name. <laughs> and, uh, tosses it to Coma Paloma for a touchdown. What is that, uh, like a Key and Peele skit? Yeah, I pro- yes, yes, it definitely is. McCulky, McCulky Chickens, <laughs> Nebraska. You know, how do they do that? Just drink my frosted beverage. <laughs> so that is the housekeeping for tonight's show. Let's just dive right in. This is the games that made us. This is a segment that we created like two years ago, I think. Not in any way influenced or borrowed from the Netflix series, the the toys that made us. Yeah, that's how you know when it was created because it was right after that came out. It's not influenced by that. It's just a coincidence that the names are similar. Exactly. Okay. So each time we do this, Lucas brings a game. I bring a game. And we talk about why it's important to us, our involvement for that, and how it impacted the people, the game, and players, the the enthusiasts that we are today. So, wow, there you have it. That's the uh, that's a short and sweet synopsis that's of what you're about to good. journey through. I like it. Right? I mean, yeah, you did a good job. You're high. Yeah, you know, I try. You know. I uh, see. I never know how to react when someone comes up in the chat and just does something random and it catches me off guard. I don't know. I just always assume everyone's trolling us. Because like, you're so. Here's what it is. You're so used to joking around with people that you know that you don't want to offend like, people who you don't. Someone know. new. <laughs> here's what I've discovered for being guests on stuff too. I'm I'm the worst promoter of our show. Like I don't know how to like self promote this and like sell it to people in a way that like makes it sound entertaining or something they'd actually want to check out, you know, because at the same time, I just, you know, I guess it, it clashes with my personality of, uh, I just don't, I don't want to sell, you know, I'm not going to, you'd make a know. terrible prostitute is what you're saying. I, I would, I'd be dead because I would have starved to death and, and been <laughs> shot and murdered. Anywho, Lucas, nice. do you want to intro? Sure. And I couldn't remember if we spent all the time on one person's game or if we went back and forth, I couldn't remember how we'd done it in the past. I think we did, didn't we? I think we kind all of the time on one, yeah, on one, and then we jumped. That's what I thought too, because it feels like it's going to be too um, all over the place. Yeah, if we we do that, so let's start off with your selection, sir. All right, so a game that made me the foundation of who hmm. I am as a gamer today. This might be one of the first games I ever played with you. Yes, I was going to say well. this is a game that you. I was playing this when you first became aware of my presence in this universe. That's how old it is. So we're talking 2000, 2001 era. Yes, yes. That game is Counter-Strike for the personal computer system. The IBM? <laughs> no, not for me anyway. Uh, what, what, what was your first computer? Was your first was one a, a custom or was it you know just a... 
it was a gateway box. uh boxed machine with the the cow Hell packaging yeah. that rick, they Snyder, rick snyder's company um and then Schneider. i upgraded that somewhat um as much as i could you know because pretty limited back then i think i put more memory in it or something or maybe upgraded a video card or yeah. probably had an onboard video card not yeah even card i remember itself. my my first computer that had an agp slot and you're like this is amazing yeah yep and then i went from there to building my own after i saw found the limitations of an out-of-the-box computer at least in those days so yeah i think let's see mine was a e-machine e-monster 500 or 550 and that number means the actual megahertz whoa of the processor we're not talking about gigahertz <laughs> no megahertz and it probably had uh 200 maybe no probably i bet you it had 128 megs of ram wow so i remember i remember upgrading it wow. to like 256 you're like double the um, ram what and, and i remember buying a geforce 2 good Lord. graphics card to stick in there i think i had a geforce as well i mean i could I've looked it up before because it's still on my. It's like a lead tech, and it's still in my. Uh, oh my god, Newegg history. Um, we uh, we that computer got its legs though. That was a that was a Diablo machine for quite a few years. The e machine. Yeah, we just used nice. it to we just used it to um, have a secondary character in the in the world to make the monsters stronger to get more experience. <laughs> and a then pro we tip would, for you players out there: buy and a we would just use it as a mule. We just loaded up with items that we didn't want to carry. Did you make Ray play as that character? Yes, that yes, actually, right. actually, yes, actually, we did. At, at that time, uh, yeah. that goes back to another episode. Uh, sad episode. Yeah. Uh, this, I think, I had like an eight hundred megahertz computer at this time. Uh, seems about right. I remember uh, upgrading it specifically for Half-Life, and I think I talked about that in a Games That Made Us when I talked about Half-Life, was that that was the game that made me sort of upgrade my computer because back then you got demo discs with a PC Gamer or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. And so I played the demo, and it barely ran, if I remember correctly. I was getting like 10 frames per second, and I was like, well, this won't do. Uh, so I had to buy a new video card, and now I do those very same things today. Unfortunately, just search mm-hmm. on new egg and go. Oh, man, I wish I had. A, oh, well, what is it? Twenty twenty eighty Ti uh, Super Kick Your Butt in the Face uh, Edition HD <laughs> with ray tracing. Pro, pro Alpha. Anyways, Pro Alpha. No, not, it's not Street Fighter. That's ridiculous. No. Uh, anyway, to bring it back all together, uh, Counter-Strike. So what is it? How can you not, if you, if you know what a game is, I would think you'd know what Counter-Strike is, but if you don't, for instance, if my mom is listening, I'm sorry, mother, but, uh, it's a series of multi, well, now it's a series of multiplayer, uh, first person shooters, by the way, that came out first in November, 2000. Would you say this wasn't, was, this probably wasn't the like Team Fortress is probably like one of the first big Half Life mods, right? I believe, yeah, I would say so. I mean, people at that time were playing the Half Life multiplayer, which was just deathmatch basically yeah. at that time. And then I think, yeah, so it's important to note one. that this was a, a modification for Half Life at first before well, it became a standalone. I'm getting there, oh. Jason, mm-hmm. always stealing mm-hmm. my thunder. Uh, uh, a series of Sorry. multiplayer first-person shooter video games. Oh, it's all right. In which teams mm-hmm. of terrorists battle to perpetrate an act of terror while counter-terrorists <laughs> try to prevent it. 
Counter-Strike is an objective-based multiplayer first-person shooter. Two opposing teams, the terrorists and the counter-terrorists, compete in game modes to complete objectives, such as securing a location to plant or defuse a bomb and rescuing or guarding hostages. At the end of each round, players are rewarded based on their individual performance with in-game currency to spend on more powerful weapons in subsequent rounds. And winning rounds results in more money than losing. And completing objectives such as killing enemy players gives cash bonuses, while uncooperative actions such as killing teammates, while always fun, results in a penalty. And there's always that one guy as soon as you start playing. Like, first round, some jackass is just standing there going, pop, 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 with a pistol, shooting friends like... They don't know how yep. to play a video game. I mean, I think that was the interesting, the most interesting about this game was that whole, the monetary system and the buying mechanic for your yes. weapons. Because I, like, I had never played anything like that. And it's still, there's not many games that are like that. So it was always strategy of having to save up to money to, do you buy something now or you just save up? And then, you know, if, you, if your team, it's, it, I feel like it's a way like teams could snowball in a way. Um, yeah. One team sure. just keeps winning. They're just going to always have a bit, you know, actual economy and always have better guns and but at that same point i mean with counter-strike yeah there's some weapons that are better than others but i mean you can die so easily yeah this was a very i would say more on the realistic end of uh the spectrum where if you got shot two or three times in the head you were done and you were out for the round which was also kind of a new thing because at this point you had like what tribes and quake in those types of more more arcadey yeah, like this was much more not simulation, but at least, you know, had more physics based, you know, weapons had different kick and different, you know, um, accuracies the, and accuracy and, and bullet spread. And, and yep. each gun behaved a little differently. I remember watching videos of the close ups of different weapons to see what the spread tendencies were so that, for instance, if you wield an AK-47 versus an M16. Down into the right. Yeah, right? Or exactly. Or up into the left or up into, yeah, yeah. whatever it is. So whatever that's how you want to move your mouse if you want yeah, to Yeah, down into the right fire, would be, hold yep, it down. <laughs> exactly. You slowly, like, the most incremental uh, moving down into the right to, to offset the kickback. Those types of things were what uh, basically helped you succeed at the game. It was less about your movement and more about your accuracy and your ability to sure. choose the weapons you needed uh given the situation. Um, yeah, and it was definitely that really short kind of reward system where your performance is what gave you more money and allowed you to, like you said, sort of snowball into a uh, better killing machine, for lack of a better term. Um, that was really rewarding. Uh, at least I felt uh, there was nothing like it at the time. So I mean, I'll, I mean I'm pretty... Um, the way I play Counter-Strike... I mean, I use two guns. I use sometimes I would buy Desert Eagle, but I almost always would just get the M4 and the AK, and that's about all I'd ever use. Sometimes, what was the? Uh, oh gosh, what was the other um, gun? I think. The, well, I, I, the bullpup wasn't too bad. I didn't mind the bullpup. Yeah, because it had the nice zoom. But what was the other? Um, MP5 wasn't bad. That's the MP5. There's the other um, rifle that was. I can't remember. Um. I think it was full auto, but I can't remember. I can't remember what it was. I have to look up a list. Of, I'll look up a list. Yeah, of I was going to say, weapons. I had looked up one just to figure out to remember what I used quite often. Yeah. So I know there are lists out there. But... I, can, I can't use an op. I was not one of those people that could Ops. just go crazy with Oof. the op. And... Now, this is also the game that gave us uh, corner camping and 
uh, sniping from across the map like a wuss, as some people would say, because you would just sit in a corner across the map, wait for somebody to poke their head out of a doorway, and then blast mm. them with the op. And, uh, and Ooh, the auto shotgun was fun. Oh, yeah. Ju, 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 ju. Um, oh, the, the Jew gun. Ju, ju, ju. The, the, yes, the C90 was, wasn't too bad. I didn't mind. I didn't mind that too much. Or the Clarion, the, oh, the Krieg, the, uh, the IDF Defender. That's the one I was thinking of. Uh, they have different names now. They were called something different when I played. Because, like, the the Bullpup, for instance, was called the Steyr Aug, I believe, oh, when gosh. I played. Okay. So, yeah, because even cause looking at this list I'm looking at right now, the uh, the op is now the Magnum sniper rifle. Yeah. Well, let me get let me tell you a little bit about the development and answer some of those questions as to why sure. they have uh, different names. So, a brief history of the development. The series began on Windows in 1999 with the release of the first game, Counter Strike. It was initially released as a modification for Half Life that was designed by Min Gooseman and. Uh, Min Guzman Lee and Jess Cliffy. I'm, I'm assuming it's Cliffy because otherwise, why have the? Yeah, e? I don't think it's Cleef. Cleef. I would think it'd be Cliffy. Yeah. Uh, and apparently, he used his last name as. <laughs> he just went by Cliff. Cliff. Cliffy. Cliffy. Cliff. Cliffy B. Uh, by the fifth beta of said Counter Strike, Valve Software started actively participating in the development and ultimately bought the rights to the game and offered the original developers jobs at the company, which both of them accepted. Like, like you're going to turn that down, right? Yeah. Do you want to have, uh, do you want to be paid for this? Uh, yes, please. Now, it's interesting because Valve, even back in 1999, 2000, were, you know, getting involved in these types of uh, mods and people creating things based off their games. And that still happens pretty frequently today, even, mm -hmm. um, you know, with like the, uh, Black Mesa uh, modification for Half-Life 2, bringing Half-Life into the Source engine, and then them picking it up and basically helping them along into an actual release of that mod, as we talked about when we did Flex to Play's Black Mesa. Um, so, you know, they've had this history even back then. So right. uh, it's pretty crazy to see that. I think it was probably pretty revolutionary even back then. Um, I don't think you saw that very often where they would actually buy a mod and sell it. No. So uh, with the impending retail release, various legal issues had to be sorted out. Now, I didn't know about this. This was pretty interesting. One of these issues was the weapon names. They were changed to bogus names in order to avoid legal issues. In addition to simply purchasing the rights to the game, Valve Software also had to approach each level designer and artist oh to secure the rights to the maps and textures used. Some textures were found to have dubious origins, obviously, because people making a mod were like, well, no one's ever going to know that I just did a Google just, search or whatever. Right. Or just, just <laughs> lifted the assets from the source files of this game I already had. Or... Exactly. Um, so they had to secure the rights. They had all these textures. Uh, artists to be... So they had to remake some of them. Uh, or censor them, which led to some changes in maps for the retail release. Uh, while Min Lee had hoped that all maps would have been in, had been made part of the retail release, 
Valve opted to only include some of the maps in the retail release. For the maps that weren't purchased by Valve, Min Lee decided to reimburse the authors out of his own pockets, despite him having no obligation to do so. Oh, wow. What a, what a fella. What a good guy. So the, it's very possible that the, the version of Counter-Strike that I played, which I remember it being free. I, didn't ever, I never bought Counter-Strike. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's very different to today's Counter-Strike right. or CSGO at this point. But even so, you know, two later is completely, not completely different game, but at least it looks different, different maps. Uh, yeah. some, were, some were taken off, for instance, because of those re- reasons. Um, but I think by that point, it was pretty clear which ones were the favorites anyways. I mean, would you say uh, Counter-Strike was probably the the biggest... Um... Well, it's probably the first biggest competitive scene in terms of online online and PC gameplay. Um, it's the biggest one that I knew of. I mean, I mean, I mean, Team Fortress, you know, had its day, but I mean, Counter Strike was, you know, back. You were going way back to the like the the. I, I think it was CPL, but there was like the Cyber Athletes League. There was Cal, I believe, was the one. I mean, there was yeah. these were big prize money tournaments and leagues going on. For Counter Strike, it was the Cyber Athlete Professional League okay. that I'll talk about a little bit later. <laughs> oh, see, I, I'm not seeing. I'm, I'm not even pulling from your notes. I'm just going. I mean, because this is this is the era that you know I was really into PC gaming. Well, not until about you know 2002 to 2006 that range. But I mean, you know, this era that everyone's into now with your Twitch and your 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 pro leagues. You know, this this those weren't. I mean, the, con- the consoles weren't a thing for this back then. You know, it was all pc and it wasn't until you know mlg finally with like you know your halo and some fighting games you know started to branch out and yeah. competitive gaming i was gonna but, say because the xbox released in 2001 uh if i'm seeing this correctly and even though it released in 2001 i don't think it had xbox live or anything like that for quite some time you know no, no, not out of the box you you had to actually physically take xboxes and link them together for the first halo for instance yeah and let's face it xbox live on the original xbox was nothing to repair what they did with 360 i mean it, i mean yeah. just telecommunications was, just wasn't you know networking and broadband just wasn't yeah people were just there wasn't no saturation get, there well let's uh so I, to get into the aspects of the game I had dial up internet at the time I played this. Can you imagine playing a first person shooter on dial up internet now? That would be freaking horrible. I mean I I played back then and I didn't even get I didn't even get a true dial up. I got my connection wasn't even at 56k. I got a 28.8. Yeah, that's what I had too. 28.8 so, kilobytes per second or whatever. I mean what was, was our kilobods? I, mean, I remember well, having, funny. I was thinking about this day because I was playing enemy territory and I remember pings were such a whole thing. You know, you would hope you'd have a ping at like around 60, 60 to 90, yep. even 90 wasn't great, but it was acceptable. Then Anything it was over nice. 100 and it was like impossible to play. I was in the, I'm playing on servers right now and I have like an 18 yeah. ping in, you know. It's, you can't even complain about it really anymore unless it, it's like a completely off continent connection yeah. like you're yeah. playing some game and i mean it's it. crazy because yeah I, I remember that first land i think it was at um it was at big john's house playing and you and little john and we were i had never played counter-strike and then I, playing with you guys we were the tanaka the tanaka clan oh god that's right see um, that was always the downfall of our lands though was because everyone always came to the party 
good at a different with like a different game that they were good at. And we would always play one of them. And that person would usually just destroy everyone else. And then we'd move on to the next yeah. person. Well, the problem game. and the problem with Counter-Strike, too, it was so easy to cheat. Yes, we so we'd have locally. people that would load up aim bots and wall hacks and yep, just ruin it. But I played, I didn't play Counter Strike. I did play it. I dabbled in Source Counter Strike Source. I played. I never, I've never played CS:GO. I mean, I have, but I just Counter Strike just is a game that man, it just psychs me out, you know, because people that play Counter Strike are usually really good, and it's very. Yeah daunting to get into that because you, if you don't have the, the if you don't know the maps and don't have that situational awareness you're gonna get smoked and it's just it's hard to like grind through those early stages of that to get better yes yes and and i think that when i started playing this game it was a time in my life where i could do that without thinking about it like I, mm-hmm. these maps are so small they're definitely not the size of even halo at the time uh, like Blood Gulch is probably three times as big as one of these maps, but they were almost like an arena with just a. Usually they had like a circular pattern, yeah. And breaking that up, you'd have some doors or maybe some different yeah. two different pathways. But either way, you know they weren't too hard to memorize. So that almost became kind of once you played enough maps, and there were so few of them, and a lot of them were favorites that you'd see the same ones come up in rotation. Right. That kind of came out of the equation, but it does take repetition to even know based on your own instinct, what to do, um, like where the, where the stop gaps are, where people tend to stop and then pile up at a door, for instance, because it's only a crack opened and you know that if you walk out, you're going to get blasted immediately. So it's like, you're just kind of standing there waiting with your team kind of, Who's going to make the first move? You know, right. that type of stuff. Did you, um, did you play? Because <sighs> Counter-Strike, for people who aren't familiar, Counter-Strike is different than multiplayer that we have today. You don't respawn in Counter-Strike. You get right. killed it's and you're out for the round. Yep. So, and that was one of the first games to really popularize that style. Is that how the mode you mostly played? Or did you play it in like custom servers where you had like instant response or stuff like that? Or was it hard? Was it frustrating as you being a younger gamer? If you remember to like to play in a ser- play a series like that where you're, you're, you might, you're, you're experienced, you're, you're like, oh, you're, ga- you're geared up and you're ready to go. And then you're in a round for five seconds and you get, killed and then you're out and you're just watching was it frustrating to play in a game like that i mean yes in a in a certain aspect it was but it never it only drove me to want to play more i think because i think rounds were like two minutes and 30 seconds or something like that maybe 10 minutes i don't remember they they seemed quick and a lot of the time once you kind of learn not to just rush out you'll probably play for two or three minutes just kind of sort of poking holes trying to figure out where to go and where not to go and maybe turn around and go back the other way because your team most of your team is over there or whatever it might be but yeah when you if you end up dying early it you you sit there and you're watching all your all the other people who are still alive play that are on your team but or the inverse when you're the last person on your team left yes then you feel like the well it's Two things. You feel like a freaking hero, but at the same time, you're like, oh, God, everyone's watching me and judging me. But I feel like the the Internet, the Internet wasn't such a bad place back then. It wasn't as bad as it is now where you'll go into a game like Dota and people just are automatically yelling at you because you aren't doing the very first thing right. Yeah, yeah. You had time to experiment back then because it was 
all brand new for the most part. Like this was early into online gaming, especially for this type of game. So hopping in at that early time, nobody was really yelling. And if they were, you know, I mean, there were, but it wasn't like everyone does. Uh, Tom services when he played day of defeat, he only played one map 24 seven uh, WN servers question mark. I'm not, I don't know what that one means. servers. On servers, I don't know. Like I, like I win on the server. I, <laughs> I mean, I played Day of Defeat a little bit too. Now they did, yes. Day of Defeat was a really big uh, departure from anything because it was very realistic historical simulator for the most part. You mm-hmm. actually could. It took you like three seconds to go prone and stuff like that. It was crazy. Um, they did have custom servers, yes, and there would definitely be some other objectives that they could customize into the maps. But for the most part. I played uh, competitively, I guess. Uh, Valve's world opponent servers, Tom Servo, Claire. Ah. Uh, I don't remember, honestly. But I, I will say this. I was involved in a clan for a good part of uh, my time there, which even now, when you're, let's see, I would have been in ninth grade, probably 10th grade when I got good, so to speak. So I would have been, what, 13, 14? probably 14 something like mm-hmm. that uh it was it's hard to get in clans when you're that young you know all the old people don't want little shits coming in and being right immature and everything so but i was able to get into a clan and i never played in a competition or anything like that but they'd often have clan versus clan just like scrimmages exhibitions and- yeah exactly and uh i remembered them complaining like you got to get that cable internet dude you got if you want to play competitively, you're gonna to have to get cable internet. And I'm like, oh man, I don't know if my mom will let me, but I'll keep bugging her about it. So, <laughs> oh geez, you guys, I want to come up to the big leagues. Oh, please let me play. Let uh, me in, coach. I mean, <laughs> it's probably still to this day. Like if when I think about online gaming, especially PC gaming, those are still my my even now. I mean, this is how long ago. Those are, and I've talked about this in probably in my enemy territory uh, game that made this episode previously. Like those are some of, some of my fondest memories from from all of gaming, where my times with clans and those competitions and yeah scrimmages and like one of my favorite ones is like I missed I missed an entire season because most of our matches were on. I had a, a night class uh, in Grand Rap and Muskegon actually when no it was in Holland when. I still live back home. So I had, you know, I had class until like nine o'clock and then I had to drive home like an hour and a half after that. And one time I got out of class early and it was like, I think it was one of the last matches. So they'd already started, but I got home mid match and they had the one guy just unplug his modem and disconnect mid round so I could come in and play. Oh my gosh. Either he was really bad or really nice. One or the Uh, other. Both. He was bad, but he wasn't bad, but I was better. But I mean, that was just funny. I was just like, just like the you know the camaraderie and it was like you know now we have like much better tools online you know the you know the 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 makeup has changed you know back then we had forums and we had irc and you had you know messenger clients and you had your voip uh, systems I, like yeah. TeamSpeak. And i Ventrilo. never did voice i was it was actually way more approachable because i don't it think was you could typing. have back then like yeah that early with dial-up you know i don't think you could do voice it wouldn't it wouldn't your yeah. connection wouldn't be able to support it. But, you know, now we have, you know, Discord and um, so many options and you, you're so connected so much more. But it was just it was a really unique time to be playing games and be in a community and 
being involved with something like that. And I remember, you know, being in the opposite position you were, where, you know, you're the seasoned member on a team and having young kids that would try to play and, you know, and. Well, thankfully I wasn't as stupid back then as I am now, actually. I was pretty timid, didn't really swear or anything, didn't really talk much. So for the most part, I didn't make myself sound like an idiot. At least I'd like to think so. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I had my, well, there was that one time in Ultima Online, I ran through. I ran through the world yelling, I pee pee myself. But I mean, I was like <laughs> 10 or 12. So what do you remember? Remember M player? Oh, God. That's the uh, that was the video streaming thing, right? Or uh, well, it was a whole it thing. was a whole platform for game matchmaking. And it had, it had lobbies and you did your match games um, would match make through that. But it also had hangout and chat lobbies and it oh, had God. voice what was capabilities the what was and, the other one? Games Radar or Spy? Uh, oh, it was uh, Spy. Spy. Game Spy. Game Spy. Well, it was. It went down because they had. Well, the Game Spy was the website and was a game site, and then they did. They had like the Game Spy server browser or whatever yeah. client. Uh, just looking at the Tom Servo <laughs> says they shut down the one servers when they launched Steam uh, in two thousand four or something. Was in the perfect murder clan. Ooh, oh, got the hash or got the clan tag. Nice. That was the important part. Your clan tag had to look freaking awesome. But Dude, all the ones back was... then, like my very first one, um, the first clan I ever in was in was in um, Alien versus Predator, and it was like TCK, the clan killers. Oh God. And then my first one in enemy territory was TAC. The Technical Annihilation Corps. Oh, you know, you got to have stupid names like that. But... I couldn't even tell you what the name of the the clan I was in was called. <laughs> have no clue. Um, so I do remember, though, because they were building out their website. They had a profile for every member and I had to pick out what music to <laughs> that would play on my page because I'm sure it was hosted by GeoCities or something. And I yeah. I chose some MIDI song and they were like, uh, most everybody picked an MP3. So <laughs> I'm like. It takes me like a whole night to download an MP3. But I made this an RPG maker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wasn't making music back then. Thank God. Uh, what would my life be like then? So some of my favorite maps, of course, are the classics, dude. You got Dust and Dust 2. Office, which is always good. Jumping through that window. What's the difference window. between like when they had Day Dust or what that, that was just the map that, abbreviation before, right? That was the file name because the I think name, it was okay. like Desert Dust or I don't know. There was like DE and also CL or something. Yeah. But yeah, those Dude, were the file I mean, names. Dust 2 is like the the Counter-Strike map, isn't it? I mean, Basically. I mean, it, it was the favorite for a long time. Uh, did you ever Office check your stats on uh, Counter-Strike on that one website? Showed weapon stats and whatnot. No, I don't think so. I didn't know that existed. I think at this time I was going as Testament was my name uh, online, so I don't even... Well, you had that issue with your, your original Steam account got, like, compromised or something, so then you yeah. had to, like, make another one, and then... Yeah. Well, I, and, it, yeah, this was before Steam when I played, Do you so. Do you still remember, like, the layouts? Like, in your head, can you navigate through those maps still? A little bit. For the ones I like, but... I almost completely forgot about one of my like office. I don't remember hardly at all. I remember there's the parts like there's an outside and then you go in through the window and then there's the building. But I don't remember the layout. But Aztec was a map that I completely forgot about until I was looking up the maps. But it's one of my favorites because it was an awesome sniping map where you go through a door. Uh, both sides end up going through a door where there's this giant middle area and uh, 
there's just this huge opening that you can snipe people as they come through the door. And that's what most people did was they'd sit there with a sniper rifle waiting for people to come through. And if you sucked as a sniper, you were going to get blasted. But if you just were right. popping people as they come through, then you were the hero of the team, of course. Um, yeah, and then there was the lower level as well. But I don't think – I think you could shoot down into it, but um, that usually resulted in you getting shot in the head, I feel like. Especially yeah. if you had the sniper rifle, because you can't really line up a shot that's that close. Um, but yeah, those are some of my favorites. But I mean, I would love to go back. There was other ones like CS Italy, I think is what it was called, or mm-hmm. the Italy map. It was a it was a rail train yard. Train yard was, was one. I hated too. that one though, because there's all these trains and lots of long narrow lanes that you could get shot from. And yeah, there's a couple that I really like, but I don't. I mean, I was you know, office and dust were. Yeah, definitely my top. Yep, yep. Um, and you again, you played them a lot because people had custom rotations of just the good maps, and then they—I mean, at that time there was probably like eight maps, of which four were popular. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, some of my favorite weapons to use, of course, the Desert Eagle or the Deagle, as as uh, oh, yeah. you like to call the two the, pops with the Deagle. That's right, headshot. If you miss, you're screwed though. Um, the the dual. Uh, pistols always looked cool, but good lord, that got me in trouble. The long reload time of, of those were awful. Uh, the P90 submachine gun. Now, I like this gun in real life, but I liked it in Counter-Strike as well. That's the one that had 50 bullets, and it has that weird, uh, like almost like a handle. Clip, right? Yeah, top loading. <laughs> it kind of looks like a staple uh, cartridge because <laughs> you're just putting in this giant mag. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that... I played with the MP5 mostly, but if you were to twist my arm, honestly, I like the P90 better. But, you know, this stuff was getting tweaked throughout the whole game over and over. So it's not like it's the same gun as it was then as it is now. Uh, The AK-47 over the M4, M16. I can't remember which one it is. Um, I don't know. I think it did more damage. And I liked the spray pattern better. That's like you said, that's the one that goes up into the left or up into the right. Mm-hmm. So you want to go the opposite way. I just seem to have the AK 47 down a little bit more. Uh, I also felt like the, you remember how like, well, in pretty much any FPS, the crosshairs would open up to show your accuracy. Yeah. Getting worse. And like bullet spread. And yeah, I feel like I was just, it, it was faster at getting more accurate, getting your accuracy back whatever you want to call that recoil, I guess. Um, and the scout sniper rifle. Now you show, you show your ability to be a sniper. If you use the scout, because that's the gray one that was light and it would let you move faster. Uh, cause the op, when you hear that thing fire, it sounds like a freaking cannon. That thing is huge, but yeah. it makes you slow. If I remember did correctly. The, did the op one shot, it was a headshot kill, but I mean, you couldn't, it wasn't just like a one shot to the body, wasn't it? You had to hit like two shots. I think it depended on what hitbox you hit because there was more than just the headshot. I think you could hit torso or head, but if you hit arm or leg, then you weren't, you didn't get a, a one a one hit kill. But I'm not 100% sure, but it sure feel felt like you would get uh, killed in just and one I mean, shot. That's no where like where no scoping hit. originated, not counter, not Call of Duty. It was like Counter Strike. <laughs> it was, no yeah. I remember wielding the op and going through the door and seeing someone because, of course, reflexes were much better 15 years ago for me. Uh, But 
you would see someone come through the door and you don't have time to pull out the scope, so you just shoot and hope that it hits him. There were definitely times where people were hitting people without having the scope on, and then of course you're like, oh my god, I no-scoped that guy! Good game! <laughs> you know, yeah. so, yeah, good times. But the scout sniper rifle is where you really showed your abilities. And I preferred it. Uh, and nobody hated you for using the scout, so that was always nice. Sure. God, this, um, is, this is so. This is a great time. This is so funny that you're talking about this because I, you know, again, I was I'm playing a game right now that's from 16 years last. <laughs> like, and I started playing 16 years ago. You know, and it's yeah. just it's wild to think about. I mean, it's it's there's a reason why this game is still around today. But let's talk about why it's important to me because we got we still got your game to get to. And I know <laughs> we're going to talk a lot about that. Um, for me, really, all it comes down to the reason why I chose this game was because. It really is the foundation for me uh, for any online FPS. That's pretty much where any of my background history to draw from uh, for FPS games comes from. I sink the most time into this other than maybe enemy territory only because you were playing it and we played together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I put a lot of time into this game and um, I don't think I've really played a game like it, quite honestly. The closest would be... Um, like a battlefield or something like that. I mean, it was, it was different because I mean, it was it's accessible and you were in a, in that, that place in your life, but it wasn't, it's like, I don't think, I don't think you ever, I don't think, I don't think you've ever like in, in invested yourself into a multi, especially this, this game's multiplayer into a game like that. You know, single player, it's different because you're experiencing a story, but something that's repetitive and it's skill-based. I haven't, I don't think you've probably invested yourself heavily yeah with anything else except maybe like there's a couple other things I'm, i might have dragged you into like when we were playing um awesome knots a lot or some <laughs> other things that you know yeah. that you you played of quite a bit but well, and you were always finding that stuff first so i had a little bit of catch up um because like awesome knots i started to get good at and then we just kind of stopped playing it because nobody was really playing that game we just kept yeah. getting we kept getting crap matches and it gets frustrating when you don't have anyone to play with locally but um, yeah, this was one of the few games I was actually good at, and I felt like I was decent at it. I really would like to go back and try it again, but it's so different now that I don't even know. I mean, it's it's all about weapon skins and all this other shit that I don't know if yeah. I even like it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, though, but it's, I don't know. There's so many more people playing it now, too. Like, I talked True. about how, you know, you've got that, that it's hard to get into but at the same at the opposite side of that coin there's going to be more people of varying skill levels to play with as well so yeah it seems to be the game that'll never die because it's been around forever there's, i think that, that fan now. base is just so f- fever pitch you know there's just like games this era of games and game design are so different now you know time to kill wasn't a thing regenerating health wasn't a thing you know yeah it's so so different than how games are designed and played now and it's not like you, oh, you'd want, if, if Counter-Strike was made today, you'd actually have to use real money to buy your guns and not, <laughs> and not in You actually currency. can do that now. Um, yeah, I, you know, I just thought of it. To me, it's kind of like the Forza of, uh, Forza Horizon of shooters, because it's not Rainbow Six. It's not super tactical to the point where you're, like, drawing out maps of how to, uh, infiltrate the building before you go in you know the the weapons handle realistically but it's not a simulation where when you're sniping you have to worry about the centrifugal force of the earth or whatever the hell it is you know uh but at the same time 
it was just simulation enough. Uh, you know, the movement was fast, but probably unrealistic. It just had all of these elements where the best parts of the arcadey feel of shooters and the simulation of shooting kind of came together to make sort of a different product that at the time was completely uh, unlike anything else, really. Uh, and it all kind of piggybacked off from Half-Life and it wouldn't have happened without Half-Life. So, you know, that's the engine that that game started in. And, uh, you know, that says a lot about Half-Life, too, that you could make this mod into that game that wasn't as much of a military shooter as this kind of is. So why it's important to gaming in closing, Counter-Strike has had nearly 20 years of competitive play, beginning with the original Counter-Strike. Of course, now there's like so many there's been so many iterations and re-releases that it's, sure. it's crazy. The first major tournament was hosted in 2001. At the Cyber Athlete Professional League, that's what you were talking about earlier, along with uh, World Cyber Games and Electronic Sports World Cup, were among the largest tournaments of the Counter-Strike series until 2007. In 2013, Valve hosted Counter-Strike Global Offensive Major Championships, which became the most prestigious tournament in CSGO. Counter-Strike is considered one of the most influential first-person shooters in history. The series has a large competitive community and has become synonymous with first-person shooters. Boom. I'm Lucas Rose. This has been History of Video Game. <laughs> <laughs> I kid, I kid. Signed, sealed, delivered. I, I just want to talk. Let's, just, let's not even do mine. We'll just talk about Counter-Strike and early PC gaming for I'm the next gonna, 20 minutes. I'm going to end up playing this. Somebody's going to be like, we should try playing it again. And Josh, then I will. Josh, tell Lucas to play Counter-Strike and he'll do it. He'll listen to you. Josh isn't my mom. I don't dad. know if Josh listens to this, so I have to tell him on Discord because this is how you'll find out. Don't tell him, and then you'll see. <laughs> but yeah, Counter Strike, hell of a game, hell of a probably it's a hell three of a drug. four years. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, how about you, Jason? I, I'm all excited right. to talk all right. about. All right. So I, I, you know, I kind of went back and forth on what I was going to pick, and I went with Sony PlayStation. January Classic. 1997. Classic. That's released. The game. Final Fantasy VII. Oh. <laughs> my God. Yeah. So let's get the the boring wiki information out of the way. Final Fantasy VII is a 1997 role-playing video game developed by Square for the PlayStation console. It is the seventh main installment in the Final Fantasy series. How did they know Published- that? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know... Published in Japan by Square, it was released in other regions by Sony Computer Entertainment. It became the first in the main series to see a PAL release. Game follows Cloud Strife, a mercenary who joins an eco-terrorist organization to stop a world-controlling megacorporation from using the planet's life essence as an energy source. Events send Cloud and his allies in pursuit of Sephiroth, a superhuman who seeks to wound the planet. During the journey, Cloud builds close friendships with his party members, including Aerith Gainsborough, who holds the secret to saving their world. I think that might be the first time I've ever heard her last name <laughs> or read yeah. it or seen it or knew. And that then again, that already we're starting. Is it Aerith or Aerith? Yeah. Depending I on your it. region. So um, that that's the, the quick synopsis of Final Fantasy VII. Um, and it was a it was a mega title for its time. I would say it was a hat to own. It had to be owned if you had a PlayStation. Yeah. And like RPGs. I, I think, yes, I would agree with you. It was the first, it was the, f- it wasn't the first RPG, but it was the first 
of that caliber RPG to be released on that type of system. I mean, um, Nintendo 64 didn't quite have anything in its library. And earlier, you know, we, we might have saw some games like Wild Arms or some other RPGs, but like Final Fantasy was the first like heavyweight RPG. Yeah, mega hit, hit worldwide. Freaking At least, they, yeah, I mean, there's going to be people that have that could probably argue otherwise. And there's going to be some more lesser known to um, me. Actually, um, the first uh, series, major but... hit was a little known Japanese uh, RPG. Well, how is it a hit if it's little known? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Shut your let's, mouth. Let's talk about development. Imaginary person. Uh, development began in 1994 originally, and this is the this is the like the interesting, you know, like the whole controversy about it. You know, and people people know the story, I'm sure, but originally developed for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. I see. I didn't after, know that. After delays and technical difficulties from experimenting on several platforms, Square moved production to the PlayStation. Now they were working on with the Nintendo 64 as where as where you know early builds of this game. We're at, and you could actually see. I remember seeing preview images in game magazines for it. Wow, I see, but, but I feel like the cartridge really limits with well, like FMVs and stuff like that. That's exactly what I think became the nail in the coffin. You know, the um, cartridges because due to the advantages of CD-ROM, they could fit so much more data and game on a CD, plus the music, plus the FMV cutscenes. Mm-hmm. And everything. I mean, so. they still needed what three or four CDs. <laughs> uh, I think that's is it three? Is it three discs or four? Yeah, I can't. I, I think can't it's remember. three. I, I, I think, think it's three. three. Um, so they moved it to CD format. Uh, veteran Final Fantasy staff returned, including series creator and producer Horonobu Sagakuchi, uh, director Yoshinori Kitase, and composer Nobu Umatsu. Ooh, title became nice. the first in the series to use full motion video and 3D computer graphics, which featured 3D character models superimposed over 2D pre-rendered backgrounds. So think like Resident Evil, like Resident Evil 2. Yeah, it's pretty popular at the time after this. Looks, looks great then. Now you're like, oof. It looks really weird how it's superimposed like that. I mean, even was... then though, the the chibi models with the like it's just really arms. interesting how they did this and how they went like in in the overworld they're like weird chibi designs and then <laughs> yeah just spend the graphical limitations or they wanted to like make it i want reminiscent of like the chibi models from the snes yeah, days maybe yeah that could be um final fantasy uh seven introduced more widespread science fiction elements and a more realistic presentation while the gameplay systems remain largely similar the addition of new elements such as materia limit breaks and new mini games the game had a staff of over 100 with a combined development and marketing budget of around 80 million. Probably a lot then, so, but now that's like nothing. Yeah. I mean, and I don't think I bought a PlayStation because of this, but I remember um, the first games I owned were Ridge Racer and Tekken. Ridge Racer! Actually, that's why I bought a, I bought a PlayStation for Tekken. I wanted to play Tekken 2 at home because I love playing the arcade at the theater. Yes. And so that's, that's why I got a PlayStation. And then... You know, my whole introduction to RPGs was from my friend Jim Holland, and I. And, and at the, prior to this, I had never played an RPG start to finish myself. So this was on the PlayStation. Wild Arms was technically the first RPG I did that, but Final Fantasy was the game I wanted to get. And I remember going to. I think it was like it was either electronic. I think it was either Babbage's or Electronics Boutique at the time. Mm-hmm. Going there, pre-ordering Final Fantasy VII, and they gave you this PlayStation Underground which is like a mail or it was like a digital magazine that you could subscribe to and they would send you a disc every month and it would have demos and some <laughs> pre-produced content. But they gave me the wow. disc and it had all these games and demos, but then it had a demo for Final Fantasy VII on that disc and you could play the 
that first Mako reactor level nice. was on the demo. And I probably played that. I don't know how many thousand times. Just this over is so awesome. I'm going to yeah, bomb it was the so Mako awesome. reactor. It was like, I just remember it. Like, That's the perfect ending too, because it's so cliffhangery when he's yeah. hanging on to the bridge and Tifa's. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, so like, I don't remember having so much like fervor and anticipation for like an upcoming game as much as like I did maybe for melee when that was waiting for the GameCube and all that. And watching, I remember watching that E3 video over and over, but, um, I feel like the combination of science fiction and fantasy elements always works out for me. You know what I mean? Like that really gets my gears going. I think it's partially why I like Shadowrun. I mean, yeah. why I like Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, it was just like a. It was. I don't know. It's hard to say because it feels like a, a broad departure from the rest of the series. But you're also making this big jump from the 16-bit era to the 32-bit, and what then you know games themselves were just bigger. But you know, we didn't. Yeah. You weren't. It wasn't this typical fantasy medieval setting. You know, it was in this futuristic. And it just like, I mean, just talking about how like that game appealed to me, you know, it was just like that story. It was like this, this incredible story and it, and it dealt with, you know, the saving the planet, but there's you know, like, the, you have like that, the tragedy and the romance of, uh, you know, Eris's story arc. And then like that whole, I mean, just like the, there was all this great like story about the characters, you know, like yeah. I really love, I, I like, like, I, I'm sure as I'm, you know, a young Prebestant boy, I was in love with Tifa for obvious reasons. But you Who know, wasn't? just like all the characters were like, like Barrett, he really liked his story, how he had, you know, he had he Barrett, he had an orphan he had an orphanage, right? Wasn't that? Or he had a no, no Barrett he had, took a care of he had a daughter. daughter. Yeah. Um that's gosh, right. I can't remember Tifa names. had uh, started with Tifa C. had the bar and then see so it's funny how much it scrambled, but it so many of the characters are so cool and like Red 13 and even Kate Sith and now Vincent was really interesting. Yuffie and Sid was kind of like meh, but I mean, like very interesting characters and just Sid just wanted to go to space, if I remember correctly. (laughs) And just like the the combat was so cool, like the limit breaks and you could chain off these awesome attacks and like the material system, being able to slot the material in your weapons and then being kind of customize your character, customize it, customize your characters and what spells and abilities you wanted them to have. You know, you're not you're not um, constrained. There's also constraints of a job system or character classes, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Some characters are heavier or tankier than others, but any you can have any character play any way they want it. And come on, Knights of the Round. I mean, yes. Who I actually, doesn't like a 10 minute attack? It's funny that I uh, remember I beat this recently for the first time because mm-hmm. I was I was aware of this game, but I never really played it because uh, I don't think I owned it. And uh, I never got Knights of the Round. Oh, gosh. Which it's like if it's a ten minute attack, well, can't you chain it with another Knights of the Round? Oh, here's what you do because the, yes, I had the Prima strategy guide, and I don't have any shame because I I like consumed this game, man. I did everything. I got everything. I did everything. I maxed out my characters. I fought all the bosses. I took my PlayStation on my, my with me on vacation in Florida, Lord and nerd. I distinctly remember just grinding. My characters and the this it's called the Gelnica. It's a sunken sub in the one in the, in the ocean yeah, I off remember one continent. That, yes. And there's just really hard enemies there. And I just remember grinding and grinding and getting max levels. So your characters had levels, but your materia actually has levels too. And by yep. maxing out, so for instance, if you maxed out every summon, you get the master summon materia. 
which allowed you to, if you slotted that on a character, they could have a master summon of every summon. Mm. So they, so I could have, and when you mastered, um, right. If you, when you mastered material, if I remember right, it gave you a copy of, of the materia too. Anyway, you would get copies. I do remember that, but it, so you didn't I, have to master it. I don't think. Yeah. So I would have a master there. summon of Knights of the Round, and then I had the mastered version of Knights of the Round, and then you with the a linked slotted weapon, you could have um, W summon, which if I remember right, W summon would summon this the ability twice. Yeah, as long so as it was linked. You would use or something twice. Like so you would do two summons, and then you could have each character to do mimic. So then they would mimic the other character's action. So you do summon knights around twice, summon knights around twice, summon. So you could summon it like six times in the <laughs> turn. Lord. Plus you could you could also link it with um, somehow you could give it like a healing. I don't remember how, but there was a way you also chain it with another. Um, with one of the characters, I would with the link material, and it would I would it would essentially it would heal my characters too. So not only is it doing. 9,999 damage X number of times, then it's also healing my party for 9,999 hit points every time it's cast, too. Good so, lord. So it's just, it's a ridiculous um, item. And, and if you've never seen the cutscene that in its animation, you, you do yourself a favor and just watch it because it's literally like a, it's literally like a well, two minute. It's animation for attack of it, literally 12 knights popping up individually on the screen and 13. attacking. 13. 13 sorry uh, yes. first night is a long sword then a lance then a fire magic mace long sword hammer wand that casts blizzard tried there one on a, there's got to be one on a horse, horse. I think, that's probably i think that's the lance i think naginata or maybe that one uh battle axe another sword and then lastly excalibur because knights of the round gotta end with uh king arthur's big old <laughs> Phallical Excalibur. <laughs> so, like, this was just like that game that, like, it really threw me into the world of RPGs. And it was because of this I played, like, you know, Saga Frontiers and Xenogears and the other Final Fantasies and just was open to that. I, you know, I, I un, unknowingly, I hadn't played, you know, this is, this is like the, that kind of helps define what a Japanese RPG is and showed, like, I don't know, man. It was just like, it was just, it's just an iconic game i mean it's one thing to pick games from this that are important to us for for various reasons like we've had like i, I can say enemy territory and not a lot of people are going to say enemy territory is like a game that's like really special to them or may not right. even know what it is but final fantasy 7 who doesn't know what final fantasy is it's like such a landmark title for so many people i mean look it it just got the first episode version of its remake finally came out which nobody was, thought would ever happen <laughs> it's just like this monument of gaming you know, for and here we're talking about it uh, 13 years or excuse me, how many 23 years later, you know, I had the T-shirt. I had a birthday cake, a Final Fantasy seven birthday cake. And mm -hmm. um, I tried to get a Cloud Strife action figure off Yahoo auctions and I got scammed and lost tw 25 bucks. <laughs> and then figures. That's why you don't buy memorabilia. There it is. Origin <laughs> yep, story. Now, now you guys know I'm not a collector. So it was just like, you know, it just had all these things and it was just fun to play. And I remember like. Um, for me, even I had to restart the game, I think three times, because almost every time when I would leave, um, the first continent, the game would glitch out and Barrett would get stuck. I would hit a bug. And when Barrett, you're on that boat, Barrett's supposed to run over to you and he would get glitched on the side and he would just run in place. 
<laughs> and if I and you're thinking, okay, just reset the game. Okay, I would. When the game would loot up, I'd get a memory card failure. Oh God! And my, my, and my my data, my save file was corrupted. Well, so the rest the rest of the time, every time I I would save, I had like five copies of my save file. Jesus, why on didn't two, you, on two separate memory cards? Why didn't you just um, connect to the internet and uh, download the uh, <laughs> good first day patch? <laughs> it's a good question. So just like. Man, I, I I don't know. I, I I don't know if I'm like really doing the greatest job of explaining why. Well, but it just like it just spoke to me personally at that time. And you know, I was like so '97. I was 14. You know, so it was yeah. just like a this huge journey and adventure and this great setting with awesome characters. I mean, who didn't like Cloud? You're spiked your hair and you had this big ass sword. I mean, well, I, a lot of people didn't like him. At, well, some people didn't like him because he's kind of a whiny bitch at first, but. He does actually, like, as far as I'm concerned, having played it, you know, 20 years later, well, maybe not, I think I played it two years ago, one year ago, what's, I don't remember. What's the, uh, what's his alter ego, not his alter ego, but who was his best friend, it wasn't, oh, it wasn't gosh. Jack, what was his name? Oh. Or was it, it was it Zach? Zach, Zach was that name. was the guy who he basically That was the real the soldier, Cloud just kind of emulated his identity. And... Yes. Spoilers for a 20-year-old game. But, uh, I, you know, I played this recently, and... We played Chrono Trigger and uh, as well. And it's these stories that, you know, they're so good that they stand the test of time. Even if they mm-hmm. do have cliches in them, which, you know, some of these characters start off as cliches, like the silent, strong, silent type like Cloud is, where he's like, I don't care about anything except getting paid, you know, that type right. of thing. Uh, I don't care what happens to the planet. But the important thing is that I think where this game has a... a foot up on chrono trigger is that like you said the character stories are more fleshed out i don't think it's very fair to compare them because obviously they came out in a time where technology was continually improving right uh, at a fast rate but you know they stand the test of time they're classics for a reason and even playing it 20 years later with some of those uh quirks and some of the uh cliches it it stands the test of time. It really yeah. does. It, it's a classic, and it always will be. And I'm sorry if you think Final Fantasy IX is better, but it's not. <laughs> I mean, and with that said, you know, like I, I re- in that time period, I replayed the game a couple times. I had like my main save file, and then I had like the game save where I had all my friends as characters, and I played through that. Oh yes. But I, I've never played this game since then, and I don't think I ever will. As much as I love it, and as much as it would be good to go back and play it as an adult with a better um, knowledge of the world and just conceptual understanding that could better, you know, pull from the story. And I'm sure there's a lot more going on that I would understand, and it'd be cool to experience again. I also just like the vastness and the scope and the the size of that game is just too intimidating that I just never, I don't think I could ever do it. You know, I had to play. I had to look some stuff up sometimes because for the same reason, I didn't want to be stuck. Like back then, if you got stuck somewhere, you just had to like ask somebody who had already played it, or yeah, you just no. wandered around. Yeah, I had the guide, so I mean, I would use that. But yeah, I mean, there you well, same thing. I, I had no I would, shame in like using that guide back then. Well, and especially now, I I didn't want to get stuck and just not make any progress and not want to go back to the game. And I don't, I know that feeling, or you don't want to play a game where you know you have all of this stuff that you have to do plus all the stuff you're forgetting i'm sure yeah um i'll have to play the remake at some point when i was comes just to gonna PC. ask you that by the time it comes to pc you know we'll probably have all of it 
you know, so yeah. you can just play it all instead of playing segments. But because I just I just don't think a I just it's really hard for me to play anything from the PlayStation era because mm-hmm. I just don't want to revisit those chunky polygons. I think those look gross visually. I don't have nostalgia for that. You know, I just don't think they hold up. So I just well, graphics are everything, Jason. <laughs> At least Final Fantasy VII, though, like. Eight and, and but here's the thing, like eight and nine, I'm open to going back and playing through because I never finished those. So it's like there's I feel like there's something left there. Yeah. While seven, I like I did everything. You know, I I there's nothing left to that game. that I Right. Can, you would just be reliving old memories, which you don't necessarily need to do. You're not one yeah. of those people who, you know, some people reread a book every year. Harry Potter. There's those people. I'm this. I feel the same way about Harry Potter. I read it. I'm fine with it. I don't need to go back to it. I, I'll watch a movie if I need to remind myself what happened. Um, you know, I don't have love for Harry Potter as much as you do for Final Fantasy VII, but I definitely understand the feeling of, like, I experienced it. It's kind of like when I played Mass Effect, and you have all these different choices, but you want your first playthrough to just be your playthrough. You know, I don't need mm-hmm. to go back right after and play again to find out what all the different uh endings were or whatever it's just that was my playthrough that was my experience set it down there you go sure. yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're done kid you're done i mean i think i've already kind of covered why it was important to me tom um, servo says he's never played a final fantasy game how do you feel about that he did call himself a weirdo i don't i don't think there's anything wrong with that i think there's a lot of people that may have never played a final fantasy i don't think you were missing much until seven came Oh. I mean, I I haven't played Final Fantasy three, so I mean, yeah, that's pe- probably like that. That's like that first classic installment. Skinny Matt would probably punch you for saying that. Although <laughs> so. I hear there's renewed love for the second one, but it's difficult because I think that came out after the third one, mm-hmm. or it wasn't as easy to get, or right, whatever. Who knows? And I've never, and I've never played a Final Fantasy since nine, unless you count um, the couple of Final Fantasy Online's. I, I dabbled in those, but I've never, I've never played any of the newer ones or. I watched a little bit of ten. That was I played Final Fantasy seven and eight, and then, then I was done. Yeah, never played nine. I mean, I just, never played another one. I never had a PlayStation after that, so it kind of made it you know a little more difficult. And then I just felt like the series wasn't I, for me. Like I had such a deep connection with those characters and that story. It was hard when it wasn't them them anymore. You know. Yeah. You just want to continue so, those stories. Yeah, man. Tom so, says I own seven, but never played it. I was gonna say. It. How do you own a game and never play it? And then I look at my Steam list and go, oh, that's how you do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's me. That's me all the time, right? Yep, basically. So, hmm. You know, I, you know, and also, you know, so it gave me that baseline RPG experience. It's just one of the biggest games I'd ever played to that point. And I think I've already talked about my, my favorites. I, I, I don't know. Well, let's just, I can, I can touch at least. Why, why is it important to gaming? Touch it. Um, it well, let's see. It had a very large promotional campaign, as we talked about with the budget, but it was it received widespread commercial and critical success. I remember seeing it, the commercials of Sephiroth walking through fire, and mm-hmm. you're just like, that dude's a badass. Also, he has a very large sword that looks ridiculous. And it's called the Masamune. Is it? Ri- oh yeah, it is. I feel like I the knew sword's that. called the Masamune. It remains widely regarded a landmark title as and one of the most influential and greatest video games of all time. The title won numerous Game of the Year awards and was acknowledged for boosting sales of the PlayStation and popularizing console role-playing games worldwide. Critics praised its graphics, gameplay, music, and the story. Music. We haven't even talked about the music. We don't need no. to. We've talked about music. We've played mm-hmm. 
so many remixes from Final Fantasy VII over the years that I mean it. Yep. it doesn't just even had one said. in uh, the most recent radio episode. Yes. Although some criticism was directed towards its original English localization. Its success has led to enhanced ports on various platforms, yeah, a multimedia subseries called the Compilation of Final Fantasy VII, and the ongoing multi-part high-definition remake. Also, um, the animated little movie, um, Advent Children. Ah, uh, yes. And they did Advent Children and then... Um... Oh, no, not and spirits I, can, within. Can, can no, you no. See, like the popularity of this movie kind of probably helped them have the budget Design. or at least the the recognition to even make the spirits within as a theatrical film. Yeah, yeah, I would. Can you say watch so. that? I wonder what it's like to go back and watch that now because I remember. I have say what you say what you want about the movie, but like at the time, technolo- in a technological standpoint and for visuals, that was like mind blowing. It actually still looks pretty good. Um, I watched it less than five years ago um i remember it's thinking you sent me in it i mean it's gotta be good, right? <laughs> i remember thinking why was this labeled final fantasy and it's that still holds true but uh i remember reading articles about that movie uh saying that we won't need we'll have no need for human actors yes anymore yes. <laughs> that's not true plus who would voice them so I mean, just all in all, man, uh, just a Hallmark title, a fantastic game, and it I'm is, happy to say that I, you know, I played it. It's so. touched pretty much every aspect of media um, that I can think of: movies, music, uh, art. You know, you've seen. You you don't have to go far to see art and insp- people drawing stuff inspired by uh, Final Fantasy Seven uh, music. People are remixing it. The music lives on forever and ever i i feel mm-hmm. like uh constantly being remixed or inspired by and uh i mean who doesn't want to catch that lightning in a bottle with whatever rpg is coming out now you know like i feel like since then they're trying to capture that same spirit to you know varying degrees of success but it was a massive hit and it's just kind of one of those things that i feel like it hit right at that right time you know, it was early. It was early in the PS One's career, right? Fairly early. Uh ninety seven. I mean, let's see when the PlayStation released. I believe um, maybe ninety four. Yeah, ninety four. So I mean, mid year. You know, mid midpoint. Still, uh, I mean, as long as it wasn't the end point, then I think it would probably would have done worse. But as far as rpgs go yeah i mean just look at let's look at square rpgs on the playstation and let's just see what they oh god i feel like they were working against themselves well i guess they were square soft then but i mean you had let's see uh final fantasy 7 final fantasy 8 final fantasy 9 um xenogears um final fantasy 6 and chrono trigger came in that one same collection chrono car uh chrono cross um Parasite Eve, ah, Parasite Eve, Va- Vagrant awesome. Story, Saga Frontier, Parasite Eve Two, um, oh God, Air Gaze, the fighting game. Oh boy. Oh man, I remember playing that. Legend of Mana. I don't remember Final Fantasy Tactics. I mean, there's a lot there. There's a lot. But still, none of them. Off, I but... don't think is popular as Final Fantasy Seven. There can only no. be one, Jason. No. So it's only one spot at the top. But just a great game. I'm happy to say I played it. Happy to say it's on this list. And that is why it's a game that made us. It is. How about that segue? Look at that. 
Look at that. Boom. Roll credits. Oh, wait, we can't. <laughs> that is going to do it for this week's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed a little derail from the usual. Uh, next week, we will be back with another What You Playing episode. Get you caught up in all the consumables, the readables, the watchables, the edibles. All the things, all the things we're doing here in Flexible's land. Sorry, so real quick. You... Speaking of edibles, somebody was selling edibles on Facebook Marketplace. Can you believe that? That's crazy. I don't even know if that's legal. This is the world we live in now, man. Welcome to I love it. Welcome to quarantine. <laughs> um, welcome to so quarantine. With, so with that, we're going to say thank you to all of our patrons, but special thanks to our arbiters of awesomeness: Josh Brown, Kyle Hyman, Tyler Rollin, Tom Servo, Matt Knight, and Zach. Bradshaw, our executor of excellence, Edwin Callow, and please bow before the crusaders of the Legion, Dan Anthony and Devin Tyus. If you want to join the Flux Legion and help support us on Patreon, please check out patreon.com slash Flux Playing us out tonight, of course, is an, is an overclocked remix. What we've got served up to you comes from Sonic the Hedgehog 4, Episode 1. I'm going to butcher the title because this is a, a log one. The Obsequious Heterophobia of Dr. Melifam Buttfink. Obsequious. Obsequious. Don't ask me it's what by, it means. <laughs> it's by Blind and Medio Xavier. This is Splash Hill Zone 1. Uh, comes from uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 4, Episode 1, released by Sega 2010 on the Wii. So there you go. <laughs> it's just There's reading that. Dr. Melifam Buttfink. I don't know why that makes me giggle, but it does. It's probably the butt part, let's be honest. Probably the butt. So I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. We'll be back next week for more Pluxpos. Have a great week. Have a great quarantine. We'll see you next time.
He didn't autoplay anything. Nope. Bastards. Apparently my son woke up and had to go pee. He hasn't done that in a long time. Because he'll, he just cries. <laughs> the other night, um, it was actually during his nap the other day, Aiden, like, all of a sudden woke up after an hour and was, like, crying and then went in there and he was like, I have to poo. Oh, no. Night <laughs> and poops I got him are the worst. He's like, carry me. So I, like, carried him in there. He's like, get my pants off. Get my pants off. <laughs> I got him off and he had, like, you 